Welcome into the DNBR Rams podcast presented by High Plains Strains, the Northeastern Colorado dispensary providing top quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. If you give them a visit, be sure to mention DNBR to take advantage of their deals. We've got a fun show, I think. You guys are going to enjoy this one. I was able to catch up with Johnny Venerable of the PHNX Cardinals beat. We kind of chopped it up and went into Trey McBride's breakout season. Uh, we kind of talked about how for a franchise that has not had many great tight ends, Trey McBride is certainly an anomaly. It's going to be one of the pillars of the franchise moving forward, so it was just fun to kind of get his inside perspective, somebody that has followed the Cardinals his entire life, obviously covers that team daily. That was a really good interview. You guys are going to enjoy it. Before we get into that, I am going to kind of set the scene for the Tuesday night showdown against Air Force. It's been freezing. Hopefully, it's going to warm up a little bit. I actually saw it was colder in Denver on Monday than it was in Antarctica, which is just wild. But we'll kind of set the scene for that matchup. The first thing I'm going to talk about, though, is Clay Millen and where he has landed in the transfer portal. It came out yesterday that he has committed to the University of Florida. You heard me right. The University of Florida, the Gators, and the SEC uh, it was reported last week that he would be taking a visit there, so I, I guess it went well. I don't know. I guess I want to start by saying that I am rooting for Clay Millen, so I, I do want to make that abundantly clear. I'm rooting for his success. I think he was in a tough spot. I thought he was a great leader for the team in that first season under Norvell, especially when so many of those vets quit. That was really an impossible situation. He obviously took a beating, took a ton of hits. You know, I, all of us thought that he was going to be the guy. Things didn't work out here. I do think that the quarterback change to BFN was for the best for CSU. Just from a human standpoint, though, that was obviously a really tough spot for Clay. He came over here thinking he was going to be the guy. It was certainly, you know, he was given every opportunity to be the guy. But I really thought the best thing for him would be you know, maybe go to like a Mac school, potentially even drop down to the FCS. He is from, you know, Washington. I thought maybe somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, the big sky, there are some good programs there. Get back on track and potentially make the jump back up. He certainly has a lot of arm talent, and I understand that. He's a former four-star recruit, so that might be something we have to consider as well. I mean, the the fact that the transfer rules changed and he was able to be immediately eligible, that definitely widened his potential opportunities and you know you wish him well it's obviously a cool opportunity to go down to the sec but with graham mertz coming back i assume he'll be the backup you know they're always going to be bringing in you know younger talent to me i I hope you know he gets an opportunity but it kind of feels like some sec recruiting politics if i'm being frank just a situation where you know, they get to say, well, you know, we have a four-star backup as well. I don't know that that's the case, and I really hope that it's not. Again, I am rooting for Clay, and I hope that it works out for him. But I just remember back to when Jim McElwain was there, and he went to -to back-to-back SEC championship games, but they didn't have enough four- or five-star guys on the roster, and I just wonder, is this an instance where you just kind of add him to the mix purely, you know, for what it looks like on paper? We'll see, I guess. I mean, I'd love to be dead wrong. I really would. I'd love to be, or I'd love for it to be a situation where he goes down and just to change his scenery, does him some good. Maybe he gets an opportunity to take over and he pops. I mean, 
crazier things have happened, and it's not like he doesn't have the arm talent. He's going to have to get rid of the football a, a whole lot quicker than what we saw in Fort Collins, and obviously those SEC edges are, are something else. They're coming in hot. I will say that I don't think it was all bad when he was the starter or anything like that. I do think that the hits that he took took their toll, and it was something that concerned me going into the year. I brought it up to the coaching staff, and they were honest that they even saw you know, that there were times where he just kind of wasn't trusting the the pocket, which was clean in front of them, and obviously the O-line performed really well this year. I, I hope he gets it together because when he was confident, we did see him kind of rip the, the ball downfield a couple of times during that non-conference late in 2022, hit some some deep shots to Torrey. We didn't see much of that as the year went on. But I do think it would be cool to see him kind of revitalize his career down there in Gainesville. I know the reaction online from CSU fans would probably not be very happy. I don't know. There'd be like a lot of, oh, how do we let this guy get away? But the reality is, is, it just wasn't working out in Fort Collins, and I do respect that the staff made that decision quickly. They didn't have a lot of time to to mess around with it, and, you know, BFN really popped. He showed a lot of potential this year. He's got things he's got to clean up as well, but, I mean, you know, he's kind of the quarterback of the future, and, you know, the the truth was was even, you know, Jackson Brousseau had, had passed him on the, the depth chart at this point. So the fact that, you know, Jackson Stratton and, and Clay Millen have both decided to move on, it, it makes a lot of sense. The history really isn't in Clay's favor in terms of the four and five star guys that don't pan out and end up, you know, going to another school. A lot of the time we see these these guys bounce around, uh, but we'll just have to see. We'll just have to see at the end of the day. You know, it's kind of a wait and see process. We're all certainly rooting for him. You know, Clay was in a tough spot this year, but he never, you know, quit on the team, didn't speak out against it or anything like that. And you know, I have a lot of respect for how he handled that situation. You wish him well. He leaves CSU having gone 184 of 258 during his career, at least at CSU, completed 71.3% of his passes, 2,020 yards, 10 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, 7.8 yards per attempt. His biggest performance was probably the three-touchdown day against Middle Tennessee State, hit on a couple of deep balls to... Uh, Tory Horton, biggest win as a Ram. Uh, you could say either Hawaii or uh, New Mexico in 2022. I'd probably go New Mexico in 2022. That was, you know, kind of one of the few really positive moments in a tough stretch. He went 19 to 24, 214 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Unfortunately, though, just not a, a ton of team success when he was under center. Some of that due to him and some of that out of his control as well. So you wish him well. Just didn't really work out here. Sometimes that happens. We're going to move on. We're going to turn the focus to hoops before we talk with Johnny Venerable about Trey McBride. But when you get hurt, Bax and Shanker, they're here to help. Bax and Shanker win for Colorado families. They've been helping those who are seriously injured in Colorado for more than 25 years. They're free until they win money in your case. There's no upfront fee, no fee to talk about your case, no fee while they work on your case, no fee unless they win your case and win money for you. They've already won over a billion dollars for their clients. And they have more locations than ever, serving all of Colorado with neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. They have the strength and power to win your case with more than 30 lawyers and 100 staff. Bax and Shanker help with all kinds of injury cases where you weren't at fault, car accident, motorcycle, rideshare, pedestrians, trucks. They can even help if you're injured at work. Call Bax and Shanker at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Bax and Shanker wins. 
I also want to talk to you guys about the premier dispensary in northeastern Colorado. Of course, I'm talking about High Plains Strains. They provide top-quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. Check them out for all your needs, including infused edibles, high-potency concentrates, some of the best flour in the state. There are three High Plains Strains locations in Colorado, Log Lane Village, Garden City, and Sedgwick. If you're in northeastern Colorado, they are the dispo for you. Save time by ordering online at highplainstrains.com. Pick up conveniently at any of their locations, which all have drive throughs I mean, on a cold weekend like this, you can't ask for much more. Make sure you use that code DNVR online or mention DNVR in stores. Some of their deals include a full ounce for 80, Veritas 8s for 25, Mammoth 1 gram cartridges for 15, Exquisite Extracts 4 for 40. Remember to use that code DNVR online or mention DNVR in stores to take advantage of these High Plains Strains deals. All right, the CSU men's team was obviously off over the weekend. The women's team, though, picked up a 61-55 victory over New Mexico. Really cool to see Becky Hammond and Katie Cronin courtside. Always cool to see, you know, some of the the legends come back. Mike Brohard had a great tweet. Arguably three the three greatest players in program history all in the building at the same time. Katie Cronin, uh, McKenna Hofshield now, and obviously Becky Hammond. Uh, the Rams have won two straight after losing the first two to open conference play. They've got Air Force coming up next on Wednesday, tip-off at 6.30 p.m. in Fort Collins. While the men's team might have been off this weekend, it was a wild weekend of college hoops for the Mountain West. Wyoming won on a buzzer beater against Fresno State. Utah State used a controversial five-point play to take down UNLV. I'll be honest, it was a situation where I understand why Rebels fans felt completely screwed. They had a controversial uh, deflection play go against them, and it seemed pretty obvious that it should have been their ball with under two minutes left. Then at the end, they're up four with about 11 seconds left. Utah State hits a three, but uh, Grant Osabor just kind of runs into the back of the the UNLV player who was trying to pull down a rebound. He gets called for the, the loose ball foul. They end up, you know, making a free, couple of free throws, going for the five-point possession to win. Tough if you're UNLV. I will say, though, they were they were just so undisciplined at the end. That continues to be the trend with that team. They have talent, but they give up multiple uncontested threes at the end. I'm not so sure they don't find a way to, to lose that game, even if the refs don't make it easier. But again, I, I understand why it's frustrating, especially when we continue to see this week after week. This league's got to figure it out. Uh, it's been a real problem to start the, the league slate here. Really inconsistent stuff from the Zebras, and it's just not a good look. Uh, New Mexico throttled San Diego State at home. It was a good game for a while. Uh, Jalen House went off. He's a lot of fun. I- I'm not going to lie. I understand he can be kind of an asshole. Allegedly said some you know pretty nasty stuff to the CSU crowd. I get all that. I also think he's fun, though, just objectively as a basketball watcher of this conference for one thing he's one of the few people i've ever seen pick isaiah stevens pocket multiple times in a game and he's done it multiple times now and when he gets hot he's one of those dudes that can go for four threes in you know like a minute and a half and just if he's at home you know in the pit becomes a lion's den because he's just egging him on and they buy into the energy if he's on the road he's that wwe heel either way he's entertaining and good for the league and that New Mexico team, they got to figure out how to way, how to win away, excuse me, from the pit. But that was obviously a really impressive win, as was Boise going into Reno and taking down Nevada. Being able to steal a couple away from home is really going to be a huge factor for whoever is able to win the league. 
But obviously taking care of business at home is going to be really important as well. And that's the situation for CSU. They've got Air Force on Tuesday, UNLV on Friday, Orange out. Big time need the, the atmosphere for a UNLV team that's inconsistent but talented as we got into just a moment ago. Um, kind of some keys for Air Force, or I guess setting the scene for this one first. The Falcons come in riding a six-game losing streak. They are a team that can get hot from deep, second-best three-point offense in the in the conference, so they're capable of hanging around. And for a team that's going to come in with nothing to lose, you know they'd love to play spoilers against their in-state rivals. You want to be sure to just not let them get their confidence rolling. Ethan Taylor and Bo Becker are the guys I think you've got to worry about the most from deep. Becker's a guy that can kind of carve you up in the mid-range as well. He's a nice shot maker. Pertritus is more of their slasher, kind of a 6'7 guard. He's a guy you've got to watch out. will kind of be frisky and get in the paint if you let him. Uh, they've struggled defensively, especially in conference play. Teams have shot 40% from deep against them. Defensively, they've really just kind of struggled to get stops as a whole. For me, the, the keys for CSU in this one, they got to set the tone defensively right from the get-go. Weirdly enough, the recent trend is they've come out hot on the road and then kind of fizzled out. And at home, they've had slow starts and kind of figured it out. Ultimately, all that matters is you find a way to get it done at home. This is not a game you can afford to have any type of slip-ups, but just kind of coming off of you know the two-game losing skid, this is an instance where you really want to set the tone defensively. And then you know that includes, obviously, limiting Air Force's production from deep. But then offensively, you want to play inside out and, and work for quality looks. You certainly have the athletic advantage here. You want to drive on this team. Utah State had 35 free throw attempts and their win over Air Force. Nevada had 29. San Jose State only had eight, but they shot 23 threes and basically got into a three-point shootout with Air Force. Both teams hit nine apiece. Air Force lost a heartbreaker uh, to San Jose State, who had an opportunity to, to win multiple league games at the beginning of the year here and obviously came up short. You got to limit the turnovers. I mean, you're averaging three more per game in league play than you did in the non-conference slate. You want to pass with purpose. I think that's been the frustrating thing is it's not like it's been phenomenal defensive plays. A guy like Jalen House picking their pockets. It's a lot of times just been uncharacteristic, sloppy passes into traffic. You know, make sure what you're doing is with purpose. We saw this team so focused early on. You just want to get back to that. And, you know, defensively, you know, close out, make sure you're limiting second chance opportunities. That's another way you could get into trouble along with, you know, giving up like 15 threes or something like that. But as long as you do the little things, you know, you, you hit your free throws, you play inside out, you create some touches in the paint, you know, you're, you're more picky with your shot selection. You know, you're going to be able to get some threes in this game. Air Force gives up a ton of them. You're going to get some open looks. You just don't want to get complacent because that's really easy to do. Make sure you establish that presence in the paint, play inside out, pass with purpose. Ultimately, this is a game where, you know, you should just have the talent and athletic advantage, take care of business at home, and then you move on to UNLV Friday night. All right, we're going to move on. Uh, we're going to get to that interview with Johnny Venerable of PHNX Cardinals. I'll talk, obviously, plenty of hoops throughout the week. Guys, you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. With Game Time, it's the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, theater events, anything. They've got killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. They're the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. 
They have deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, even an hour after it starts. It is the place to find last-minute seats. Find exclusive flash deals, sponsor deals for tickets on football, basketball, baseball, concerts, anything. With the zone deals, you pick the section. Game time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. And the game time guarantee means you're always going to pay the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the app, create an account, use the code DNVR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code DNVR for $20 off your first purchase. Download today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed with our friends at game time. Finally, Fubo TV is the best way to watch live sports. You can get 140 plus live channels. They've got sports, movies, news, anything you need. You can stream live TV from any device. It's the best way to watch the most Colorado sports at the lowest price. And what's great is you can start watching immediately. No hassle. Just get this free trial. Get it going. No contract, no cable, no hassle. Sign up and start watching. You get 1,000 hours of cloud DVR included at no extra charge. Again, you know, we're trying to hook you up with companies that aren't trying to nickel and dime you along the way. It's the best way to watch all of the college basketball action. You know, you can watch the Mountain West on CBS Sports Network and FS1. Uh, during the NFL season, they've got, you know, red zone. They've got access to all of the, the channels for the NFL playoffs. I know certain carriers have some disputes right now. I think my grandma was unfortunately unable to watch some of the games on NBC. You get NBC on Fubo. Watch all your favorite college football and NFL action with Fubo. Go to www.fubotv.com DNVR to sign up for 15% off your first month of Fubo Pro. All right, I am pleased to be joined by Johnny Venerable of PHNX Cardinals, our sister outlet, brother outlet, whatever you want to call it. We're a family all in all city. Uh, Johnny, thanks for giving us some time. Exciting things happening over in, in Phoenix as far as the direction of the Cardinals. Looking forward to getting into all of this with you. But I just first things first, you know, how are things going in the new year? It's great. There's a uh, immense clarity with this team for the first time in a hot minute. At this time last year, Kyler Murray hadn't had, you know, ACL surgery yet. Jonathan Gannon, Monty Osenford hadn't been hired. They had just fired their brain trust and Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kimes. So much better landing spot. And oh, by the way, they have a budding star tight end that we're going to talk about. So yes, uh, 2023, while difficult at times, laid the foundation for what I think is going to be a pretty nice 2024 for the Arizona Cardinals. You guys kind of got to have the best of both worlds where in a year where you weren't realistically contenders, you still got to have some fun moments of big wins, you know, the Cowboys, the Eagles, you get to see like the direction, but without blowing your draft position, I feel like that's kind of the, the nice sweet spot. I mean, as a Broncos fan and season ticket holder that watched us win five games and that was fun and all, but now it's like, great. We missed the playoffs to be, you know, right back in the same spot we've been in for 10 years. Yeah, they did a nice job. They stripped down this roster, did Monty Austin Ford. They traded back, but then they played more rookie snaps than anybody else in the NFL. Kyler Murray came back and played really well down the stretch in the final eight games of the season. They were not favored in one game this year. And the projections before the season were like winless, like the Browns, winless, like the Detroit Lions, like historically bad. And I mean, they were a couple plays away from winning like five, six, seven games. I mean, they, they, they should have won the finale. All year long. They were like a yeah. fun team to throw on in that afternoon slate, especially if it's one of those wonky windows where they have like 
eight or 10 games in the 11 a.m. window. And it's like, well, I guess I'll watch the Cardinals. Then you turn them on and Kyler's running around and Trey's making plays like it it was a fun watch just as a neutral observer. Yeah. Well, and when Kyler started cooking the final month of the season, you know, everybody who was begging and pleading for the season to end was like, yeah, I could do a couple more weeks of this. But (laughs) the best part is, you know, you got clarity with Kyler Murray. He's healthy. He bought into this scheme. They love each other now. They're they're cooking with gas, and they can put themselves in a position in the kind of up and down, quirky NFC to say, "Why can't we turn this roster on its head and make a playoff pers- push next year?" I mean, when you got teams like Tampa Bay and some of these other fringe teams in the NFC, Green Bay rebuilt on the fly. So the Cardinals, while they have some work to do, they are not as far away as as people think. Um, especially, I mean, Kyler Murray. Over the final three games of the regular season, quarterback rating over 100. They went from 26th in yards to ninth in the NFL when he came back. Um, And that was with a very, very watered down, specifically offense at at receiver. I mean, Trey McBride, we're going to talk about, was his default number one. You add maybe Marvin Harrison Jr., somebody like that, this offseason, fortify this defense a little bit. I mean, you're cooking with gas in 2024, and, and Cardinal fans should have a reason to be excited. I do want to kind of come back to all this and, you know, what the Cardinals might add in the direction of the offense. But I think we got to go back to the beginning of the year. I mean, things kind of started slow for Trey. He had this awesome year, you know, 800 plus receiving yards. I think 81 catches. I should have pulled it up, but uh, he only had seven targets over his first four games, six catches on that. I mean, it's pretty impressive that he went on to have this like really significant standout season in terms of, Cardinals tight ends history and really like he didn't start becoming a major factor in the offense until like week eight yeah a lot of factors played into that well first of all I think he was he was really trending up at the end of last year and we talked about that and so a lot of us thought oh yeah focal point you know thoroughbred prospect young they he represents something they don't have a lot of which is size well, then Jonathan Gannon got hired, and who is Jonathan Gannon close with is Zach Ertz. And Zach Ertz was, you know, a piece of the puzzle, and, and he was coming off a torn ACL, just like Kyler Murray, who was ahead of schedule with his rehab, and he did everything right. And Trey McBride had a little bit of an injury hiccup. I was there at training camp, and he missed a couple days. And his blocking wasn't exactly where they wanted it to be, but you would watch him in practice, Justin, and he was unequivocally, outside of Michael Wilson, their best big body targets. I mean, he did things athletically that Ertz couldn't do. And so the season started and he played a lot, but Ertz was dominating the targets and it cost Mm -hmm. them games. It cost them games against the commanders. It cost them games down the line, San Francisco, Ertz drops multiple touchdowns. And so eventually they said, you know what? This isn't working. They outright released him. I think Ertz's career might be done. He never got picked up by, by anybody, which is unfortunate. Great human, great person. But then it's like the minute they input Trey McBride in the lineup, everything clicks. And I I give Cray immense credit. He never complained. He never went to the media and said, I need to have a bigger role. He learned from Zach Ertz. He took to Drew Petson, the offensive coordinator. And it was like when the light came on, it came on quickly. He is unequivocally the best tight end of my lifetime following this team. I mean, my dad's been a Cardinal fan since he was a kid. Jackie Smith, right? And went to the Cowboys. That's one of the questions I had for you at one point was like, how close is Trey to being considered the greatest tight end of all time? I don't, I didn't mean to interrupt He's you. He's the like, best tight end right now in the history of Arizona Cardinal football, not Cardinal football per se. 
Okay. But like I did a big piece of Johnny on the spot on our, our PHNX sports and I'm the, the fan base has embraced him, but they're also waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I'm like, guys, it's okay to embrace this. Like we know greatness when we see it and yeah. he's high pointing footballs and he's catching like 10 of 11 targets and he's dominating playoff teams, albeit with a middling roster. And eventually Kyler Murray came back and really upped his production. But it's just like, guys, it's okay. That, that Trey's a great player. We don't have to put a, a, an asterisk or, or caution anybody because I can tell you right now, the Cardinals do not have enough great players. And so when one sticks out, it's obvious. So all that to say, I mean, will he be a consistent like 1,200-yard receiver? I think that that's unrealistic because the Cardinals are going to get better at receiver and they were very trade-dependent this year. But like he should be, if he's healthy, living in Eight to a thousand, eight hundred to a thousand yards every season, and I expect Justin the touchdowns to to approach eight to ten with a full off season working with Kyler Murray. What were your thoughts on the red zone offense as a whole? Because it's funny, he's a guy even at CSU when he won the Mackey, he had you know over a hundred catches and has this incredible year. He still had like one red zone touchdown the whole year. He only had three <laughs> touchdowns at Arizona. I mean, it's like, what's the guy got to do? Clearly, he's a phenomenal pass catcher. He's a good route runner. He understands space. It's like this weird, I don't want to say curse, but just like weird trend that he hasn't been able to get over these last couple of years. I don't know about that. And I think it'll improve. But I, I think the turning point, I don't want to say for this season, they won three of five, or excuse me, um, they went three and five over Kyler Murray's eight games. Should have gone four and four if Matt Prater makes a last-minute field goal. He missed two in the final two minutes against Seattle. But the, the turning point where this fan base was kind of on the brink of Kyler needs to show more, when is Kyler going to break out, it was actually in Pittsburgh. So for those of you who don't know, the Cardinals went to Pittsburgh and beat the Steelers and beat them comfortably with Kyler Murray. And there was a red zone possession that happened before half, and it's raining, and the Cardinals have a slight lead, and Kyler Murray throws a touchdown to Trey McBride. And it's called a touchdown. And then it's subsequently reversed. And it's yes. like the, the, the Calvin Johnson, did he catch it or Des Bryant? And it's clearly a catch. And they take it away. And I believe it's third or fourth down. And Kyler Murray says, F it, and goes right back to Trey McBride. And he snatches it over the safety. And he holds it out in front of the official, kind of to mock the official, like, hey, I can do this twice. <laughs> you make me do. I got this one. Yeah, That's right. And Kyler Murray, since that point, was close to being back to his old self two to one touchdown interception ratio look fantastic Trey McBride was cooking with gas so I, that in a weird way was the point where this offense knew what it wanted to evolve to it was a run offense run dominant offense with big bodied receivers and Trey McBride and, and the aforementioned Michael Wilson so um, I think Trey McBride is going to be a player that's in all of the media publications in the offseason somebody that I think has a chance if Hawkinson drops out or Laporta drops out or Kittle drops out. I think Trey's got a shot still to go to the Pro Bowl in the NFC. Like he is going to have, there are going to be 85, number 85 jerseys throughout the Valley. Like we're going to have a reset here. Hollywood Brown's likely to depart. Some of these older players, DJ Humphreys. And yeah, it could be Marvin Harrison Jr. But 85 to me represents this new era of Cardinal football. The finesse team of Cliff Kingsbury and, you know, 10 personnel right? And four wide receivers that's gone. But now it's Trey McBride running the football smash mouth football that Cardinal fans have really embraced. And Trey has been 
kind of the extension of, of what Cardinal fans have been waiting for. We need to punch San Francisco in the mouth. You need to get physical with Kyle Shanahan's Rams. Trey can do that. And so I, I think, to me, his efforts down the stretch have not gone on notice. I mean, pe- people are all in with the young man. He's that guy that occasionally is going to pick up an unsportsmanlike conduct. And you're just going to be fine with it because it's not going to be malicious. It's just going to be all effort, but it's going to yeah. be like, yeah, but he, he blocked the dude three yards out of bounds and he, you know, took him to the curb. Yeah. His yak ability is elite. I'm, I'm ready Insane. to say like, I don't know if he's an elite player yet. He's a great player, but his ability yards after catch um, it's special. It's, it's Kittle esque. Like I'm not, I don't want to knock Sam Laporta cause he had a great year, but that's kind of the comparison that we're making and I felt like a lot of what Laporta would do would be scheme, taking advantage of Amon Ron, St. Brown, and Jamison Williams, and Jameer Gibbs, and all the weapons that they have. I mean, there were many Sundays the Cardinals had nobody but Trey McBride, and he would move them up and down, 20-yard line to 20-yard line into the red zone. And it was a lot of it was just tight end dump-off, seam routes, again, high-pointing the football, hurdling people, stiff-arming defenders. I mean, like, Kyler Murray takes enough heat for being undersized. And then the prior regime thought it would be a good idea. Let's surround Kyler Murray with also undersized playmakers, <laughs> Ron Delmore and Hollywood Brown. And it, it hampered his production. And yeah. now they turn around this year and it's like, well, let's, let's get Trey McBride the football and look who his favorite target was. There's something to be said about that. I think. I'll say he's elite. Obviously I'm biased. Um, That's okay. But I mean, I I've seen this guy be the only weapon on his team at the collegiate level and still the guy like they couldn't stop him. I've mm-hmm. seen him now go to the NFL and it, it's projecting exactly how I thought. I thought it would take a little while. I, I remember even bringing you on after the draft and, you know, we, we talked about how tight end is a position that, you know, historically takes a couple of years to, to get, you know, get some momentum going. It seems like he finally has that, um, You've really hit on this a lot, but just to kind of put a bow on it, where do you see the future with this offense? It sounds like you want them to add speed, Marvin Harrison Jr., like Malik Neighbors, somebody like that in the draft to kind of open things up over the top on the outside, which should only make things easier for Trey in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's an extension of the Shanahan offense. Drew Petzing, who's the offensive coordinator, who did a nice job, was a quarterback coach in Cleveland, worked under that really promising staff and has brought his ideology to Arizona. And they do not like small skill players. They just don't. Like in Cleveland, when he had Jacoby Brissett, it was everybody was over six foot. And Donovan Peoples-Jones and Amari Cooper and David Njoku. So he comes to Arizona, and I give them credit. Like they tried to make chicken salad out of you-know-what in, in certain areas. Guys that just didn't fit their personnel or fit yeah. their scheme. Rondell Moore, they kind of made him a scat back, right? And some of these smaller players like Hollywood Brown, they gave him every opportunity, but it just, it didn't work out. And so I think the the obvious answer is Marvin Harrison Jr. If he, if he falls to four and you know, I have this source, but it's common knowledge. He's, he's going to be a Cardinal. We're all hoping that Jaden Daniels really takes to Gerard Mayo in new England and, and that marriage can work out. But even if they can't get Marvin, I think neighbors is a fast riser. I love both tackle prospects, Joe Alton, Alu Fashanu but they have a kind of a smash mouth football feel that this franchise has, has been lacking. You know, James Conner had a tremendous season. 
uh, over five yards per carry. Uh, not so Quinn Stanley. He's a big physical player. Michael Wilson, who has his injuries concerns, 6'3 specimen. I mean, like, you know, I've been in the Cardinal locker room a number of times, and they just don't have enough players that look like Trey McBride or look like James Conner or look like Michael Wilson. That's And specifically on the defensive side, that's another story. That's going to be the priority this offseason is just the guys that walk off the bus first, so to speak, using that eight old analogy, like that's where they're going to be living because I think they've got the right coach. I certainly think they have the right quarterback. And in the NFC, it's like everybody wants to talk about Super Bowls and who's in contender, who's not. As you mentioned with the Denver Broncos, it's underrated just to win games, to have a winning record, to get to just the playoffs. Have fun. Yeah. Right. Like that's what this franchise can get back to, certainly with paying Kyler Murray $52 million. Trey McBride represents the final kind of piece of the prior regime, sifting through that Collinger and seeing what's worth keeping. He was the one diamond that was a parting gift from the prior regime that they can now build off of. And that's that says that's a testament to Trey because 99% of the draft picks that they had did not work out or off the team. Isaiah Simmons, Rashad Lawrence, Marco Wilson, these guys that we all thought were going to be cornerstone players gone. Goodbye. So kudos to Trey for that. I that's funny because I even remember some skepticism just like from going on the PHNX Cardinals show, like right after draft night. And I'm, you know, obviously I'm pounding the table for my guy. No, like, yo, he's going to be a star. And I know everyone's like, ah, I don't, I don't know. Mountain West guy. We'll see. When do you think it clicked though? Like with most of Cardinals fans, Cardinals supporters of, Oh, like we hit on this pick. Well, I posted the receipt like midway through this year of our draft reaction to it. And I, it was less, it was definitely less about Trey because we'd seen him at the senior bowl. Like our GM was there and was like, this guy's unbelievable. And I'm like, the Cardinals can't draft the position. I'm numb to it. I've talked myself into 10 (laughs) tight end prospects, Troy Nicholas and Rob Hauser. They all bust. So I'm like, I don't want to do it. And then Bo Brock, our co-host from PHNX Cardinals, like jokingly throws out Brock Bowers. And I'm like, don't talk to me. And so it was probably, it was probably his stretch of like, you know, late October into November when he was putting together, like he'd have double digit targets and come down with like 90% of them. I don't know if there was a specific game. Obviously I talked about the Pittsburgh game, but probably November when it was just like, sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Like Baltimore, I think he had a big game. It was like 10 catches on 14 targets or something like that. It's, you know, it's easy to box score nitpick or box score scout, but just when, when you watch the game with your eyes and you see a, a special ability, a special player surrounded by l- limitations. That to me is the the biggest coup for Trey is he was able to evolve and get better despite no Kyler Murray the entire offseason. I mean, he didn't play catch with Kyler Murray the entire offseason. He's Clayton Toon, incredible. Cole McCoy, and Joshua Dobbs, a new coaching staff that didn't draft you. I mean, you put every barrier in front of him, he, he ran through, literally and figuratively. And so... If that's not a guy that you want to build around, I don't I don't know what is. Well said, man. I, I don't think we can end it any better than that. Thank you so much, Johnny. Uh, everybody, make sure you go give the guys at PHNX Cardinals a follow. Follow Johnny. Everything they do is great. Uh, always pulling for you guys. The Cardinals, I, I don't know. I feel like I, I don't want to put the Broncos in that conversation. I feel like that's disrespectful to what you guys have had to suffer through because we got the Super Bowl at least. Yeah. So it's like, you know, like I'll, I'll understand my place in, in the suffering here, but 
it's it's been tough and i think we both deserve a little better than what we've been getting these last couple of years no doubt i hope you uh you guys in denver get a young quarterback in this draft whether it's michael Penix or, or bonix or somebody i amen that, i mean like i people have their issues with sean payton and i can understand that I, I wouldn't bet against him if he finds a quarterback in the top 50 that, that he likes and maybe you have to take a step back in, in 2023 in terms of contention but I think what you're doing with Russ, that's the right move. Let If you're investing this much in Sean, let him pick his his spot and his guy. I, with Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy had like 15 touchdowns to two picks before he went down. Like He can manufacture offense. So hopefully the, the Broncos are in a position to get somebody. I'm praying, man. I'm praying. Definitely we'll have you on the pod again soon. Always take yeah. care, dude. Take care, man. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water, together make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want to be. I got blood on my shirt, like I wear my heart on my sleeve. She said I look good in red, but that went straight to my head. So now she's rocking my teeth, tucked into new prodigies. And we ain't spoken a month, but I just saw her last week. The lipstick stain still on my cheek, like we ain't talk enough. And we always seem to laugh, but never nod at us. So the future's looking grim, it's kinda ominous. And this song ain't about love, that'd be too obvious. See, this is more about lust and all of my misconceptions. And this is more about me and all of my self-deception. I'll tell myself a lie 100 times, don't need corrections. But every night I pray to God, I hope I learn my lesson. And the peaches out from Palisade. And they sweet as mama's marmalade. And this should sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies. My daddy played the drums. And my mama slapped that bass. And my sister sang these songs. Dancing hand in hand, we were tripping to left feet. Like a middle school slow dance. No one knew how to leave. But I'm still thankful for these days.